from a couple of ugliest buildings in East Nashville and Hendersonville. Welcome to Gold Standard. It's all your fault. Joint podcast here on the 440 Sports Network and from the Nashville scene in the Nashville Post. My name is Braden Gall. After that terrible intro, you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Post and the Scene, and you can find me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. So uh, Michael is going to take a lot of victory laps today on the show. So we're going to do that. Adam Vingen is going to join us for about 20 or 30 minutes to discuss statistically the first month of the season. But why are you hearing this potentially right now? Why is the music a little different if you're listening on the It's All Your Fault feed? So we're doing a joint episode. Jeremy Gover out of town. I'm filling in for him. I'm actually leaving town uh, of this week to do some work, work, quote unquote, work at Lambeau Field uh, for the Titans game uh, slash Packers game. So we thought, you know what, let's talk to Adam. Let's recap the entire first month statistically. What could this team do moving forward? Um, if you're a Preds fan, I would just say brace yourself for his statistical information a little bit later on in the pod. Uh, but really, we need to celebrate Michael Gallagher here because of all the c- conversations about the line changes and the personnel. And John Hines has finally done that, and it paid off in a big way. You can read about Yuso Parson and, of course, on the National Post, written by Michael Gallagher. So lots of stuff to get to. Reverse retro thoughts, of course. Everyone has to have thoughts on some jerseys, so we'll get to that. Um, but before we do, I know it's all your fault. It's not technically sponsored by Jaspers or Weiss Liquors, but they the could gold be standard. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The check's cash. We'll make it whatever whatever you want. Uh, the gold standard is, in fact, brought to you by. That would be Jaspers. That's right. It's definitely Jaspers. And look, I'm not telling you that the Preds are going to have a terrible season. I'm not telling you that they're going to turn it all around. But they're only three points. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. They're only three points out of the wild card. Uh, they've made a couple of line changes. And if you want to go watch the team at a local watering hole, and not have smelly, you know, air and sticky floors. You want free parking, great food that's not going to mess with you like every other sports bar. Go to Jasper's, park for free. You get $10 smash burgers, which are spectacular, $3 beers, a whole game room that is free. You guys know the deal. It is a better deal than going to Bridgestone. It's a better deal than traveling all over the country, although we did have a fun conversation about traveling. Thank you, by the way, to everyone who responded. Um, lots, lots of fun answers there on your dream road trip to watch the Preds play hockey. Um, yeah, there so were a lot of people that responded to that. I didn't, I didn't think a lot of people would, but yeah. And, the- and, it, and I think, uh, a lot of interesting, like one, one, I, I forgive me. I didn't write down the name, but you know, all original six would be a cool road trip. That's a pretty damn yeah. good. That's a pretty good road trip. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're going to do it, that's probably the one, if you, if money's not an object, that's probably the one to do. <laughs> right. If you have unlimited resources, yeah. uh, if you have unlimited resources, please go to Jasper's and please shop at Weiss Liquors, by the way, as well, uh, support local businesses. That is, uh, who, what the national scene, the national post 440 sports. That is what we are all about here is is local journalism covering local teams supported by local businesses so we need to be supported by you the local fans so weiss liquors uber eats search weiss liquors have the booze delivered to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes it's right there in in, uh right there by the interstate in east nashville it's real real centrally located to downtown so if you're working in and around downtown or you're going down to a preds game you want to pick up a little you know a couple couple cans of beer to, to to tailgate go check it out weiss liquors uh and of course uh jaspers okay Victory lap for you, my man. Like, you just get to celebrate this. You've been saying this, I don't know how many episodes in a row. We've discussed the philosophy. We've discussed the physicality versus the talent and the speed and the tempo and the style of play and the depth and the, and the, 
and the roster and the guys that aren't making a difference and the guys that are and who you want to see. And then sure enough, John Hines, avid listener, obviously, of the Gold Standard Podcast, and it's all your fault, decides to do exactly what you told him to do. And on his first shot, on his first shift, Yuso Parson empowers his way through the entire Bridgestone Arena, through the New York Rangers defense, abuses every single player on the ice, flips a little goal past the Rangers netminder, and all of a sudden becomes one of what? Five players in history to score? Yeah, score in, in, his, game? in his NHL debut. Five five Predators, only five other Predators, four other Predators, excuse me, have scored in their NHL debut, and Yusuf Parsons is not one of them. Go, go ahead and rattle off the list uh, of these memorable players <laughs> for, for the Nashville Predators. Let me pull it up real quick. <laughs> so, Mika, Mika, Mika Salamaki. Yeah, Mika Salamaki, Kevin Henderson, Craig Smith, and Miko Lettinen. So one guy that played for a while for the Preds. And honestly, I'm, I, it ha- this has nothing to do with anything, but I've been saying <laughs> that Mika, that Yuso Parson is is a good combination of Mika Salamaki and Craig Smith, and two of those guys scored in their NHL debut. So, I mean, it's not, not too far off there. When, when he scored, tell me you kind of just were like, oh, <laughs> that's my boy. Like, <laughs> like you've been talking about Yuso Parson for the better part of like, what, four months now, five months? I mean, he's yeah. been, you wrote but, about it in the post. He's been great every step of the way. Yeah, when he scored, I, I just kind of was like, why wasn't this kid? I'm not saying he should have started the season there, but why Why did it take them so long to, to call this kid up? I mean, he's been saying ever since development camp. I mean, he's someone who's impressed every step of the way. He's been a standout at development camp and then rookie camp and then training camp and then the like the rookie showcase, the preseason games, like every single thing that he's played in that he's had a bigger audience than just up in Milwaukee. He has, he has, he has shined on the ice, and I think it was good to see him and we can get into this a little bit, but I think it just shows that he's already got John Hines' trust that he was out there in the final minute of, of a one-goal game with a goalie pulled. Um, I think it it showed, it spoke volumes to the fact that he started his first game on the top line. I mean, there's just a lot to like about the kid, and I think I think Nashville, I hate the term diamond in the rough, but I think Nashville really has something with, with Parson, and I feel like he's someone that, kind of like Callie Yarncroke, could play pretty much any, any forward spot up and down the lineup. I think he has that kind of versatility. I think he is a really could be a really good top six forward if they need him to be if they put him on the third line you could do that too and I I think he's someone that really kind of gels and fits in with this this John Hines mold of of players that he likes defensively responsible can score not gonna go out there and cause you a bunch of headaches I mean the reason Rocco Grimaldi was a fan favorite everyone loved him but the fact that he was John Hines said defensively irresponsible with the puck was why you know he's no longer here and I think Parson is the opposite he's really he's not someone who's gonna have a lot of costly turnovers and, and have a lot of boneheaded plays I mean, almost 18 minutes of ice time, a goal on your first shot. His first game, he had more ice time than any other forward on the team. I think that's kind of crazy stat, too. Yeah, and and first, so the new power play, the first-line power play, was Forsberg, Yossi, Granlin, Sissons, and Parsonen. So he put him on the first line of the power play. I think you're dead on to say, look, if you're the center on the ice when the other team has got a one-goal deficit and the netminder's pulled, and you're the center... Like, I don't, uh, there's a, like, every single thing is like, this guy is so trusted. And it raises the question, why did it take so long? <laughs> yeah. If you, tr- if you clearly trust him this much and your offense was in trouble, like, I, and this will get us, and Adam and I will talk about this with Tomasino later, but like, it's clear that something is missing with Tomasino. I don't know what it is, but if they've kind of gone down their list of options and, and then they get to Mark Jankowski, which seems like he's, he's working a beautiful assist from Roman Yossi 
to Jankowski a, a couple games ago. Mark Jankowski, uh, the new second line center, apparently. <laughs> right. Parson and Jankowski, your first and second line centers, like we yeah. all predicted. Um, <laughs> Nito, Nita Ryder with Johansson and Duchesne. There's a lot of talent on that line. If you want to call it the third line, it's not really a third line against the Rangers. Yeah. They, they had Tolvin in with Sissons and McCarron. I like to envision how this happened was when John Hines called the players in, he he's listening to the gold standard. He pulls his earphones out and he's like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. Janot, you're on the second line. Duchesne, you're with Johansson, Niederreiter, Tolvanen, you're back in the lineup. Top line, I'm breaking you up. Because that's that's essentially, it, it was it was almost like a beautifully scripted checklist of everything I said they needed to do last week. John Hines did it. The only exception was Cody Glass was not in the lineup. And, and we can talk about that if you want, but. I, I just I, I I don't think I've ever been more proud in my journalistic career than <laughs> sitting there being like, well, damn, I said they should do that last week. I said they should do that last week. And I was sitting there and I was I wasn't I was taking, I guess, a mental victory lap because I was like, I don't think I've ever been more right about anything else. And this I'm not saying that I am like this, you know, Nostradamus or anything over here, but it just happened. Uh, it all fell in place that literally everything I said they should do, except for putting Cody Glass in the lineup, John Hines did. And they won a game. And I think we could talk about. If you want to get into what they did right, I, I think the way they played in that game has been drastically different than the other 10 or 11 games they played before that. Like the style of play on the ice looks so much more look different and better than it has any other game before that. Now, is that personnel driven because it's Parsonen and Jankowski and Tolvanen or is it uh, combat? Is it like line combination driven? Like explain, ex go a little deeper into why you think it was so different or, or maybe what why the reasons why it was different. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I, if I had to say one more than the other, I think it was personnel driven. You have Parsonen who who can go out there and score, but he's also he's a little bit more of a physical kind of uh, like a, a strong two way forward, like a like another version of Colton Sissons, but a little bit bigger and beefier. Uh, you put Tolvanen out there, who is a fantastic four checker. He's got speed. I, I still don't understand why Cole Smith is in the lineup. I really don't know what he adds, but I think having a new look first line power play with Parson and Yossi, Sissons, Forsberg, yeah. and Gramlet kind of shook things up a little bit. Having Parson in center of that first line and Duchesne with Johansson, Niederreiter. Um, I think the things that stood out to me, the Rangers entered that game. Uh, they were in the top 10 in goal scored heading into that game. And then the Predators played a much more tighter defensive style of game. They didn't try to try to play the, the bully puck thing. The Rangers outshot them and outhit them, but the Predators had more block shots. They had more takeaways. They had fewer giveaways. I feel like everything was defensively, at least, was tighter. Saros looked a lot more sharp. And it wasn't like they were they were doing it against, I don't know, Anaheim or anything like that. Like I said, the Rangers were top 10 in goal scored, and they really kind of shut down. They didn't let the Rangers get comfortable and kind of, and that's something I noticed, especially in, in the Colorado game. When they're playing and, and things start to go sideways, it just it's like a snowball effect, and especially against a team like Colorado, where you let them score one goal or two goal. It could easily turn into five goals. And yep, you didn't see yep. that against the Rangers because, like I said, everything was just much more compact and tighter. And the defense played a lot better. That was probably the best defensive game they played all season. No, I, I agree. And I think they only had like 10 shots. Like they had 18 three, shots and, and New York had 32, I think. Like three or four minutes into the third period. Like they only had 10 shots. Like it, it was okay. like it, it, it was not like they what this was some offensive explosion they won this game with defense and fundamentally sound hockey and better goaltending and and again we'll get to this from a statistical what standpoint I've been saying for you know four <laughs> right, months as right. well this right. team is built on defense and goaltending and i think you i think the main thing is you saw them get away from you saw them focus on to quote mike vrabel you saw them focus on fundamentals and you saw them get away from trying to go out there and just smash everything they got in their way like i said the rangers out hit <clears throat> excuse me out hit them outshot them but i think because of that 
in any other game we've seen this this year, they've been they're like, oh, well, they're they're more physical than we are. We need to go out there and change that. I think they played a smarter game. And who cares if they got out hit or out shot? They went out there and they blocked more shots. They took the puck away more. They didn't turn the puck over. There were fewer defensive zone giveaways, which has traditionally led to a lot of the goals they've given up this year. I think there's a lot to like about that Rangers game. But that being said, we said that when they beat the St. Louis Blues, and then it just was a disaster after right. that next couple of games as well. So can can they keep this up? Is this something they can replicate and not just a one-off? Well, and the next time you and I hang out on the gold standard, Gover will be back next week But uh, on It's All Your Fault. But we we will have a lot more data because we're recording earlier this week yeah. We will have Minnesota, the Islanders, Tampa, Arizona, and Detroit. We'll have five more games to to look at before we come back to to hang out with you guys. And I think that is, I, I think there's a, because again, you can paint this and I, again, Adam is not going to paint the defense in a very positive light over the first month of the season, but I'm not sure why anyone would think it would be positive. I was going to say, nor should he. <laughs> right. And And so is there actual growth and progression and development that can happen on that end of the ice? To your point, can they play? goaltending and defense and traditional Preds hockey. I, I think from a goaltending standpoint, I think that's very much possible. I think Soros will rebound. And again, I think Adam will talk about this, but I think the defense is a major question because again, even though we love how they played, I agree with everything you've said. They finally did all the things that you've been asking them to do. Some of that was Yakov Trenin is, is out from with an injury, but I, they still have all of their wins are San Jose, San Jose, St. Louis, Vancouver. In the West, those are the only four wins in the West so far. All, all, all that are at the bottom of the standings. All of them are either equal or behind the Predators, and there's not many teams behind the Predators in the West. And then Calgary, who's pretty close. And then, sorry, that was a win in the West. And then the Rangers, they're they're they beat a, a, a better. That's probably their best win of the season. Yeah. Although St. Louis was their most complete performance of the season. That that it's it's so weird. You can live on this Razor's edge in hockey, where six eight and one feels like a huge disappointment. The wins aren't that great. The defense has been bad. All these things are going wrong, but you're still only three points out of the wild card. And we have, you know, 60 games to go. Like we got a lot of time left here. So yeah. and I'll refer to, to what I said a couple of weeks ago last year around this point, a few, a few more games played, they were 12, 10 and one. And we were saying the same thing, like blow it up, fire sale, get John Hines out of there. And then they went on a seven game win streak and took points in 14 to 16 games. I'm not, I'm not saying that they, this team is, is equipped to do that, but I'm just saying, like that's how quickly things can turn around. That we were saying the exact same thing at this point, almost almost at this point last year, and then seven games later, they were the hottest team in the NHL, and we we're like, oh, hey, remember when we were talking about a fire sale? Like, what were we thinking? So, I, I don't know about the power play lineups. I, I I need some time with those groups because Sisson's on the top power play lineup. While I love his game, I don't yeah. know if it translates into that role, but we'll but we'll see. Um, it, it is if you're, if you're just spreading out the to... talent, right? Yeah, I think if you're just trying to go with a shakeup and trying to, to spread things out a little bit, I, I see where that makes sense for a game or two. But I don't see Colton Sissons being on the on the first power play for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. So we'll see. Um, listen, positive signs. Take them when you get them. The, Soros better, defense better. Let's see if it can hold up again next week when we come back with you and Gover and and with you and I. We're gonna have you and I will have five full games to to react yeah. to. A lot of we're going to collect a lot of data in the next week here before um, before we head into Thanksgiving. So, um, all right, I, I don't think I've got anything else for you. Colorado, the loss. We can if you want, if you want to touch on that. They got out to an early lead, and then Colorado just went all full Colorado on them. Yeah, um, it, it was bad. Colorado did what Colorado yeah. does, and I think that that kind of the last period and a half kind of encapsulated exactly everything that's wrong with the Predators. And I think the only other thing I really want to touch on, just because. 
We've talked about it a little bit, but we haven't really gone in depth, and I don't have like any stats or anything to back this up. I'm sure Adam does, but Ryan McDonough has been really, really bad. Pairing him with Lozon has just been downright irresponsible. They turn the puck over in the defensive zone a lot. They play they play farther off the puck than you would like because it almost seems like every time they give up a goal, they're they're not really close to the to the to the forward that they're supposed to be defending. I, I just they have zero chemistry together. I don't understand why John Hines keeps putting them together. If I if I were making the decisions, I would split them up immediately. I would maybe do Yossi with Lozon. Eckelman Carrier seems to be doing okay. I'd put Fabro with McDonough. Or I, I, either way, if you want to put, you know, Lozon with Ekholm and keep Fabro with Yossi and put Carrier with McDonough, either either way, I just think that yeah. the the Fabro or excuse me, the McDonough Lozon pairing is just yeah. so bad, and it's hard to watch them play. And 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 right now you have all the cachet in the world to make line change calls because uh, you yeah. you are you are you you are still very much in your victory lap as you should be. Um, <laughs> Fabro did play with a little edge though against the Rangers. I did like to see that there was some physicality there, a couple of big hits from him. Uh, so I like to see that. But uh, we did this out during the Rangers game. I said at the beginning of the season, and we even talked about this. We had we had Dante Fabro leaving, like we had him being shipped out, and I, I said. I, I believe only one of Carrier and Fabro is going to be on this team next year, and I thought it was going to be Carrier. If you ask me right now, I think it's Fabro. Fabro has far outplayed Alex Carrier, which you don't want to see either of them leave because they're still both very young and yeah. still kind of a little bit green and a little bit raw. But but I think if one of the if one of those guys leaves this roster next year, right now, absolutely, it's Alex Carrier because Dante Fabro has kind of taken the coaching yeah. and developed where Carrier has just kind of stayed the same. And Carrier's much older in which case it's harder to change who you are as a player and develop uh, by a couple of years and uh, listen as a full carrier stand i even i have to agree with you uh that that he's been better no no healthy scratches for dante fabro this year i don't think right um i know carrier's had a few of those so i think um, he may have had one but i'm okay. not, not for okay. certain uh all right adam's going to talk all about ryan mcdonough and yeah. UC Saros and the defense, and we're going to get to all that stuff. But I want to touch it's on the reverse be red. The cathartic part of the podcast because <laughs> yes. I'm going to vent about everything, yeah. and Reds fans are just going to like light up their cigar <laughs> and kick back with a glass <laughs> scotch in a fireplace. That's exactly right. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about the important things: the reverse retros uh, that they put out because it's different, obviously, <laughs> than than the. I did I did not like the original reverse retros with the silver on the shoulders. Like, I just thought it looked with the new logo and the silver on the shoulders. I thought it looked like I'm a big graphic design nerd. I've worked for a magazine for for like 15 years at Athlon Sports. You you are you you work for the scene in the post, which where obviously design is a big part of it. And I I just the old the, the new logo with the old silver shoulders, I thought looked really bad. I just did. And it yeah. took me it took me a while to get on board with the newish like when they made the switch I think it was to Adidas a couple of years ago NHL wide and they went to the all gold they cleaned up the uniform there was less 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 stuff going on it was a cleaner graphic design a simpler graphic design where it's all gold like all the shoulders everything it I didn't love it at first but now it looks more I don't want to say like it belongs in the NHL more traditional more like real and less like gimmicky I guess I I really enjoy that look and so while I cannot stand the old logo I love the new logo I will say that I think this particular version of the reverse retro works a lot better than the last one because when you pair the old with the new on this one it still looks like a little bit more of a a the traditional Preds current look and then they mixed in a little silver on the sleeves they mixed in the old logo again I don't love the old logo at all I couldn't I like the new one but I thought this one looked better so I, I don't know where you stand on the the retros 
Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of the the reaction every year when they when they come out with a different jersey design for some whatever gimmicky thing they're doing. It's always the instant reaction is, oh, these are ugly, these are horrible. And then when you see them on the ice and they're playing in them, then everyone's just kind of like, oh, it's growing on me. I kind of, I don't, I don't mind it so much. And I feel the exact same way with the last reverse retro ones. It was just kind of like, eh, those are a little bit of an eyesore, but, you know, whatever, I can get past it. I, I very much like the reverse retro jerseys that we saw against the Rangers. And like I was looking at them while they're while they're on the ice and I was like, you know what, if this was their primary jersey, I wouldn't really have any issue with it. Like it looks fine. The color scheme, everything like that. Um, the do, logo. Do you, do looks, you looks like fine this? As well. Do you like the old logo or the new logo? I prefer the new logo just because it's okay. more modern and it looks like a, a 2000, a 2022 hockey team logo. Yeah. Um, but but I don't mind the old one. I, I still think they mit, they missed with with bringing back the the old navy jerseys with the kind of yeah. like the current logo, but it was white and silver, and there wasn't any gold in there. I think they missed by not bringing those back because those are probably by far the most popular jerseys in, in the franchise's history. But I don't have a problem with them. I think I think they're fine. I think it's what it's about a the lot silver? Better. What about the silver? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of silver, especially. I'm not either. Yeah, I, I think it looks fine. I think that they did a lot better than the last reverse retro jerseys. Yes. I think the only jerseys that they brought out that were white, like actually really popular were the ones that were like the Dixie Flyer ones. For that, that, so you said your favorite is the old, you're talking about the old all Navy one where it's just Navy and white, right? And it's the old logo, yeah, that, but it's a little that is my That is my favorite okay. jersey. And I think my second favorite one is the Dixie Flyer ones. Those, so, are, those are sharp too. So number one on my list, not even close, is that was Winter Classic, right? Cotton Bowl. I, I yeah, get the Winter Classic. Classic and the and the Stadium Series mixed up. We had the Stadium Series Winter Classic. Yeah, that that is Dallas and those jerseys. Yeah, that is my favorite sweater they have ever had as a franchise ever. It's not even close. They're just so sharp. It, it's not it's even a close. perfect combination of like modern day NHL and throwback to like yes. old NHL. And it, and it's a tribute to our area. Like th- there's yeah. there's a history there with that. So like you could not make a more perfect uniform in my opinion for this franchise. Now, I did not like the Smashville, which is a marketing slogan. That looks the, so stupid. On the on the front of the Stadium Series jerseys. But at a distance, and then when I was sitting in the press box and seeing like how the 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 shin guard and the the girdle and the sweater and the gloves, everything worked together like to be that blue and yellow, then it looked really old school. And when you see it outdoors, it looks really awesome. So like I actually I was pleasantly surprised with that. I just still it's only because I couldn't read the Smashville in person that I liked it and I was okay with it. But I see him now in stores and I'm like, okay. It's grown on me. It's better. I just wish it didn't say Smashville. Uh, if if yeah. it didn't say Smashville, I would like that uniform a lot more. But other than that, um, I still think Dixie Flyer uh, Winter Classic is my favorite uniform they've ever put together. But By this retro, those are just so nice. Yeah, this retro one, um, a step in the right direction at least. And everybody's got a uniform opinion. There's no question about that. Uh, yeah. All right, Adam Adam Vingen of the Athletic. Or, oh my gosh, Adam Vingen. Sorry, Adam <laughs> Adam Vingen of Sport Logic. Uh, he's gonna hate me for that one. Um, coming up in just a few minutes, but before we do, of course, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. That's right. It's brought to you by Jaspers. Um, did I tell you about the giant party I had at my house catered by Jaspers? Did I tell you about that? You did where you ordered like the family pack or whatever and fed like 10 adults and 10 kids. So this is, this is how I know I host too many podcasts. Uh, when, when I ask you, have we already done this topic during an ad (laughs) right in the middle of the ad? Uh, no, the family pack is great. It is awesome. To, if you have any event you need to to take care of, I mean, maybe not Thanksgiving, but like if you have any, you got a World Cup match coming up, you got a Titans watch party, 
You got whatever it is you want to do. Vols got big games, two two big games left. You know, whatever it is that you care about, Predators. I'm telling you, you want to have people over to your house, kids or otherwise. The 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 family pack from Jasper's is the way to go. If you want to go after work to watch the Predators play, check out the, the, the specials: ten dollars smash burger, three dollar beers. The game room is awesome. Uh, just so many good stuff, so much good stuff in there, man. You got here, here's the other question, and I asked Cavendish this on uh, Lamestream Sports: How much do you tip, like in the to go world, like? I, think I didn't just, personally for me it depends on how much it is if, if i'm getting something that's like 10 15 bucks i'll tip two dollars or so but if i'm getting something that like if i have a big meal or something like that and it's like a 40 50 thing then i try to tip the standard 20 percent that you do as if you were eating in so good for you that is really good like i, I i'm a compulsive over tipper and i'll give like even the the person at like Jodis park who's like all they're doing is grabbing a beer out of the cool like you know the cart person like right there yeah. they just they grab a beer out they open it and hand it to you even yeah. that i'm even that i'm like giving you a dollar like which i guess would be 10% because it's a freaking 10 dollar beer again yeah. if you don't want to spend it ridiculous amounts of money on beer go to uh go to jasper's of course um but yeah i like panicked i panicked it was like a uh you know it was a, it was larger than 50 bucks cuz it's a family pack i think it's 160 bucks to, but it feeds like 10 or 12 people we fed like almost 18 people and I kind of panicked and I was like, Oh no, what do I do? And I think I gave like 10% when I probably should have done like 15 or 20. Um, because if you think about it, you got a big order like that, right? You got to make sure all 12 pork sliders are in there. You got to make sure all 12 Turkey wraps are in there. You got to make sure there's plates and silverware. You got to make sure, you know, the, all the quesos in there, the bags of chips, are, you got, you got to organize a lot of stuff. And so yeah. I, was, I was like, man, I, I think I panicked and didn't give them enough money. I feel bad about it. So I'll go in there and over tip next time. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. Uh, plus, and of plus course, it's not like you mentioned them 800 times a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, Weiss Liquors support local business, folks. Family owned and operated since 1932. Weiss Liquors, of course, um, right there on Gallatin, East Nashville, right there by downtown. Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors. Uh, you know, they'll have the booze delivered right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. Of course, you've got Andrew, the manager. I'm very overwhelmed with wine. I don't know if you drink wine, Michael. I don't drink a lot of wine. Uh, I know my bourbon. I don't need help with selecting bourbons, but I'd probably need a little help with wine. So if I'm going in there, talk to Andrew. He will make sure you get a really good selection. The manager or the manager there that runs everything, he does a great job. I've known him for like 10 years. Um, so very approachable, very knowledgeable, and he'll take care of you. So Jaspers, Weiss Liquors, Nashville Post, Nashville Scene, it's all your fault. Gold Standard, 440 Sports, all local businesses, all owned here and operated by Nashvillians for Nashvillians. So support local businesses, man. Um, Anything else you got, man? Anything else you you, you want to add? No, I, I I'll I will hand the mic over to Adam and just let him just rip into Ryan McDonough because it needs to be done. And it, and kick your heels up and enjoy the fact that John Hines <laughs> takes all of his coaching advice from you. Just I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be at, be at the Preds game tonight. I think I might go up to him and be like, "So were, were you listening to the Gold Center last <laughs> week? Because it's awfully awfully curious the lineup decisions you made." <laughs> I I will say this broadly and generally about all professional coaches and athletes. They have, they're paying far more attention to what's being said than they will ever let on. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Every uh, players are name searchers, football players are yes. name searchers, coaches are name searchers. Like they all do it. 
Um, but I thought I, it was funny like a year or two ago when it was it was the it was the bye week and, and Mike Vrabel I think had COVID. He's like, all right, he's like, we got all the time in the world. Let's. He's like, you all have a lot to say about me on Twitter. Let's get into this. Like he spent <laughs> his right. days because he was quarantining, going through all the Titans reporters <laughs> and going through their social media and seeing what they had to say. And he was he was basically calling everyone out. So I, coaches absolutely pay attention. Oh, to that. they tell do. you they don't, but they do, dude. Uh, there, I can tell you right now, three or four head football coaches in college football that will be in my DMs the second I put post of their name just their name not, not tagging them not tagging their team but if i say like hey i like these three guys for this job for the auburn job i know exactly which ones are gonna dm me immediately <laughs> kevin wilson with the preds used to be like that every time you would put out a story about the predators if you misspelled one word or you wrote something that was even partially incorrect he would be blowing up everyone's email at, uh, inboxes being like hey change this take this down fix it whatever now i will say spell people's names right that's that's true. Yeah. But but the Preds don't need to be the people telling us that's called editors. Editors do that. Uh, and yeah. people make mistakes. It's OK. People make mistakes uh, every now and then. It's fine. Just cr- say, hey, my bad. I got that wrong and then correct it. And you can go on to the next one. It's not, not a big go. deal. All right. Uh, that'll be that'll be it for us here on It's All Your Fault slash the gold standard. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, I've got a long conversation with Adam Bingen. So without any further ado, we'll talk to you guys next week. For Michael, I'm Braden. Here's my conversation with Sport Logics, Adam Bingen. <laughs> Adam Vingan, welcome back to the pod, sir. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Glad to be back. First time since the season started. Mm. Right? Yeah, not a whole lot's happened. <laughs> yeah, not not a whole lot's happened. All I know is that they were undefeated in Prague, and then the rest of it is just kind of <laughs> like, oh, I, I guess I'll check it and see how they're doing. And then, oh, no. So we're going to take a statistical look. And in the interest of full disclosure, we're recording this before... Tuesday's Tuesday night's game against the wild. And so uh, I just wanted to, that game will not necessarily be included in this conversation, Uh, but before we do uh, again, want to take a look at the entirety of the team and what they've been doing. Uh, UC Saros is going to be a big part of the conversation, of course, as as well as many, many other things with this team. But before we do that, Adam, why don't you tell everybody that would like to still continue consuming your high quality tweets and, and, and authorings, your scribings, where should people, where can people find and support you in, in the work that you're doing these days? Well, you can find me on sportsnet.ca, uh, doing a lot of, uh, analytical work as we're, uh, as we're going to discuss here as it relates to the predators. Uh, but you know, it's been, it's been fun so far. I've got, a, I've got to write a, like a, a good mix of stuff. You know, last week I wrote about the New Jersey devils who were, uh, who are on a roll. Uh, I wrote about the Edmonton Oilers, what they're going to do without Evander Kane for the next three to four months after that scary incident in Tampa, where he had his uh, wrist cut by, uh, by a skate blade. It was uh, very, very disturbing, Um, but he's doing okay, which is good. Um, But it's, uh, it's been fun. You know, I've been able to, to keep an eye on more teams than usual. I feel like I'm more well-rounded when it comes to, talking about the league um so yeah so sportsnet.ca you can find me there um i haven't written anything about the predators though i did include them in one story i did a story a couple of weeks ago yeah so looking at teams that were off to better or worse than expected starts and whether or not those starts mm-hmm. were going were you know uh sustainable or unsustainable or fool's gold whatever you want to say and 
at the time I, I looked at the Predators and I thought, hey, I think the record should be maybe a little bit better than than it has been. Uh, based yeah. on what we're going to talk about today, I, I think they're basically in line with where they should be. But yes, yeah, sportsnet.ca is where you can find me right now. Well, that's that's a perfect jumping off point then. Um, are, are they achieving? Are, are they exactly where they're supposed to be? You just alluded to the fact that maybe the underlying numbers indicated that they were maybe underachieving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, it's weird to have a two-game winning streak on another continent and then come home and be as bad as they were. That's just a weird, generally a weird situation. So the Colorado Avalanche didn't seem to have no. a problem with their layoff from playing in Finland, but Hey, you know, Hey, you know, third, it. but, but they're third place instead of first place. So mm-hmm. no, I, here's the key. Like just where are they relative? Because it's so we'll get to all the line combinations and the goaltending and the defense yeah. and the new, the new pieces and the power play, which by the way, if those that do not know, if you go back and listen to Adam and, Adam's conversation last time he was on the pod about a month and a half, two months ago before the season, you said the one of the biggest things to keep an eye on is going to be power play regression because of where the shots were coming from. So just that's just a that's a a nice little hat tip to you and and uh, math nerds everywhere. So what? Are, why are they what, what what's the deal, Adam? Explain. <laughs> ex- explain. <laughs> what? So the easiest way to to go about looking at where a team is versus where they should be. The easiest way to go about it is looking at actual numbers versus expected numbers, seeing where their goals, their goals against things of that nature are versus where they're expected to be. And quite honestly, the Predators expected versus actual numbers in a lot of categories are basically in line with each other, which is to say they're playing about as well or not well, depending on your point of view, as they should be. You know, I don't I don't look at a team that's not getting the bounces necessarily. I'm looking at a team that's basically its record is who they are. Their record is where, what are they now? Six, eight, and one. They are who we thought they were. Yes. Thank you. Dennis green. Um, well, you know, rest in peace, Dennis. Yeah, there you go. Um, why does everyone feel obligated to say that about every human who's ever passed? I don't I guess, know. I guess it's, a nice, just, it's a nice, it's a nice yeah, I guess thing we should. I guess because we should. no one ever wants to say, screw that guy. Glad he's dead. <laughs> no, at least I, out loud. Well, at I least feel like they're, there could also be a middle ground where you just say, yeah, Dennis Green said that one time. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, what, what so when really when together. you look at where they are in a lot of things in terms of offensive play, defensive play, even strength play, power play play, um, they're basically doing what they're supposed to be doing. There isn't anything that I saw that says this is bound to have positive regression. You know, you mentioned the power play. And when we spoke last, I said, I think that the power play this year is going to take a step back. Now, did I expect it to take as much of a step back as it has? No, but it it has taken a significant step back. And I went back and looked at it. You could argue from an expected versus actual goal standpoint that the Predators had the luckiest power play in the league last year in terms of how many goals they scored versus how many they were supposed to score. And this year... Their actual versus expected goals are basically the same. So the way their power play is playing is how it should be playing. It's not it's not an issue of, of bad right. puck luck, in my opinion. It's whatever they're doing on the power play, it's not working. And they probably should think about doing something else. Um, well, so, that's why, it's why I assume on Saturday, in a win against the Rangers, that you saw wildly different line changes. Yeah, that, line that, that, that could be it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and look, I think the number one thing that people look at, of course, is the play of UC Soros. And one thing that I was curious about is, are the Predators playing well defensively and UC Soros is not playing well? Or is their defense in line with what it should be and UC Soros is not bailing them out as he did last year? And it's the latter. I feel like defensively, they're playing, their their expected numbers say that, you know, they're they're not a great defensive team. And the problem this year versus in the past couple of years is that UC Soros is not making anywhere near the amount of saves as he did last year. Case in point, his game in Seattle last week when he gave up four goals on six shots. Um, in in which know. I do believe the defense left him out to dry a few times. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we can talk about Ryan McDonough, who, woof. I mean, I figured that Ryan McDonough was going to you know, what's whatever the opposite of age gracefully is. Yeah. But I didn't think it would be this bad. You know, fell, he, off a, fell off a cliff. He's been awful um, compared, compared to what I thought he would be um, this season. Um, and like we talked about at the time with Ryan McDonough, you know, he's what in his early mid thirties, but he's played a ton of hockey. He's played a ton of hard hockey because he he plays that style of game. So there's more tread on those proverbial tires than just a, a normal guy playing his many games. And a lot of a lot of extra playoff games. A lot of extra play. I think since he entered games. the league, if I'm not mistaken, since he entered the league, because remember, Brian McDonough has never missed the playoffs in his career with the Rangers or the Lightning. I think he's played more playoff games than any player in the league since he debuted. And that was like what 10, 11 years ago. So, you know, you figured that this that his uh, his trajectory was going to take a sharp decline. I just didn't think it would happen in year one. I yeah. thought it might happen in year two or three of the what remained in the deal. But when you look at UC Soros, you know, from a well, goal can I, save. Can I ask a quick question on the defense? Sure. So it sounds like what you're saying is, is that the defense, though, is is like it hasn't really changed all that much. And I don't know how fast you could look at their expected goals allowed or whatever on defense over the last two or three seasons. Yeah. But it, what, what you're saying is, is that over the last two or three seasons, the defense has just been average to below average. Yes. And, and, and it's just, it hasn't, has been but, incredible, but it hasn't changed a lot this year. Like it's not extra worse or extra bad or not, even, not or, that I've seen, not that I've seen. I don't think they've taken like a significant step back defensively. I do feel like over the past couple of years, their defensive play, as you said, is, you know, mostly been below average. But sometimes it gets up to average. But as we as we know, just by watching the games, you see Soros has been yeah. so good for the last couple of years that he's cleaned up those mistakes. Think about, as you as you mentioned, think about the mistakes that were made that led to a lot of the goals that were that he allowed against the Kraken last week. Previous years, he makes those saves this year. He hasn't been making those saves. And honestly, He's he's been a, a I would say a, like around the league average goalie this year. The pro you know he's not like one of the worst goalies in the league. He's probably been around a league average goalie. The problem is for the past couple of years he's been an elite goalie. So when you go from elite to average, that's gonna that's gonna cause an issue. The only goaltender in the NHL who saved more goals above expected last season was Igor Shosturkin, who yeah, was yeah. clearly the best goalie in the league. Won the Vezina. UC, of course, was a finalist for that award, too. But, you know, it's not like UC Soros has gone from average to terrible. He's gone from elite to average. And that's still a big drop. And that 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 does have a, a, a huge factor on, on their results just because 
quite frankly, he hasn't been making the saves to clean up for his teammates' mistakes that he's made over the past couple of years, and that's and, been a big problem. And frankly, the investment in McDonough was supposed to help combat that expected regression, let's call it, with Soros's right. save percentage. I also think, and I don't know about you, again, you're, you're not watching the team every time, but I also think there's been a lot more soft goals by, mm-hmm. by UC Soros where he's just... It seems like a lot of guys are coming off the wing and just firing shots that he normally saves. And yeah, a couple, it's not a lot. It's not very often, but it seems like the defense hasn't improved. And, and maybe you can, if we can boil this down into sort of like a simple, yeah, a simple equation here, which is the defense was supposed to improve. It has not. It's still below average. He, like, it's almost impossible to expect that level of, you, you know, goals, saving goals above average like he has for the last two or three seasons. So you had to expect some regression, but then also his sort of quote unquote regular play in regular Mm -hmm. situations where he's not bailing out the defense. He just has to be a pretty good goalie. He's also taking a step back in that. Is that the, is that a fair assessment of the defense slash UC Soros situation? Yeah. No, I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty, pretty fair. I, I just think that as you said, the addition of Ryan McDonough was supposed to help this defense. It hasn't. And when you look at the this, when you look at the players on the team and say who's been most disappointing, I'm sure a lot of people would point at UC Soros just because it's easy to blame a goaltender, like it's easy to blame a starting pitcher or quarterback you know, or quarterback in a singular position. But Ryan McDonough, for me, takes that cake and runs with it. He has been ugh, like it's just like even just watching, like you said, I'm not watching as closely as I normally have, but what I've seen from him has not been good. So I, I really think it boils down to there hasn't been enough of an improvement defensively as a team. And UC Soros, who has been covering up for those deficiencies for the past two and a half years, has not been doing that at that level this season. Now, I expect UC Soros to play better. I thought he played a good game the other night against the Rangers. But, you know, it's sort of like. You just can't ask him to sustain that. And this no. is what this is what Michael's been saying on on both shows every week is like, dude, you guys got to do something to help your goaltender. <laughs> right. I mean, look, UC Soros, you know, really in a lot of ways is more than any other player on this team has been singularly responsible for this team being where it is. I mean, imagine if UC Soros doesn't have that second half during the COVID shortened season, this team is a, a, a lottery team, like a legitimate lottery team, not a losing the play in round to Arizona lottery team, like a legitimate, like don't make the play in round lottery team. So, um, so it sounds, okay, let me, let me, because obviously there's a lot of noise and a lot of talk around John Hines. I have been on record as saying, I need to see it all the way to the trade deadline. We've mm-hmm. seen David Poyle make a move in January. We all remember. Yes. Um, but I, I guess if there is data that indicates not even necessarily from from your company but just like if if a, if a, almost all of the success of the last 2 to 3 seasons uh, any success that they had mm-hmm. if most of that is tied to UC Soros being elite and above average mm-hmm. it, like doesn't that tell you what you need to know about the coaching staff in to some degree you know it's 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 hard you know i feel like I feel like it's hard to judge. Maybe I'm wrong here. I, I feel like it's hard to judge the impact of hockey coaches versus coaches in other sports. Yeah. Just because the game is so fluid and there are so many players playing, you know, it's not like basketball, which is also a fluid sport, but you know, 
you usually rely on the same five to six guys um, versus, you know, a team <laughs> 20. Maybe two. Maybe two guys. May, maybe two. Who knows? Um, but, you know, like, you know, I, like I, we, I think we're both have been in agreement over the past couple of years that we feel like John Hines has been given a, a, a bad hand, so to speak. And even David Poyle famously acknowledged that at the end of last season where he's like, I haven't given John a good enough roster to compete. Now Poyle feels like he has given John that roster, I'm sure, by adding McDonough and Niederreiter. Um, at least he can say it publicly. At least he can say it publicly. Look, just because we know that I think coaches coaches get hired to get fired. That That's just how all sports are. You know, I think it was less than a year from the time the Devils announced they had re-signed John to when they fired him. I yeah, think it was yeah. January of 2019, and they fired him in December of 2019. I think that's right. So just because they, the Predators gave John a new contract at the end of last season doesn't mean that he's going to see it all the way through. But it's, you know, like, are there things that John does especially from a lineup construction standpoint that, you know, confuse us all. Again, I haven't watched as closely as I have in previous years, but I mean, I can tell you, and we can talk about this a little bit, you know, this is also on David Poyle too. You know, the second line was supposed to be Nino Niederreiter, Ryan Johansson, and we all assumed it would be Philip Tomasino, right? Oh, my next, my next question was going to be about Philip Tomasino. <laughs> that hasn't happened. So let's talk about some of the players who have played with Nita Ryder and Johansson this season. Let's do it. Ellie Tolvanen, nothing. Kiefer Sherwood, mostly nothing, except for that one goal in, in Prague, which is very, a, which very is like first goal of the, not just, not just the goal, first goal of the Predator season, the very first goal, first of, the goal entire of the NHL, NHL season. Yes. yes. Mark Jankowski, I think. Um, who else hey, was up there? I, 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 I actually enjoy Jankowski. Now, I but like, Jan- I mean, I think Jankowski is a solid depth player. He shouldn't yeah, be yeah, yeah. Uh, a top. I mean, Colton Sissons played in the top six in the other day. You know, it's, it's well, the it's, game, the game again, the two games, what was it? Uh, Thursday night that they, they, he was rotating against Col- Like he had, you know, it'd be Forsberg down there with them for a shift or two. Then he put somebody and then he put, you know, don't forget J- Zach Stan, Zach, Zach Sanford. Yeah, Sanford played a bunch of games. Then they put Tanner Janot in there. And, and actually, I don't mind the uh, I think I Trennan said, was up there, too. Yeah. I, and I said this last week on the show. I'd actually don't mind changing lines inside of the game. I don't mind that at all. If you find a matchup that's working or one player is really good against another player or bad against another player, you need to make adjustments quickly. I, I don't have a problem with that. It's the lack of consistency in particular on the line that you're talking about from game to game over the course of the first month of the season. It's, it feels at this point like it is like he's grasping for straws at at who should be on that line. And again, on Saturday, we're recording this before the Tuesday game on Saturday. That's why he had a technically, I guess, Nita Ryder and Johansson on the third line with Duchesne. I don't know. It's not really a third line, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so what's the answer then in the top six? I, I mean, it, I don't know what it's... Look, I think, to be fair, you know, Yuso Parsonen, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, had a fabulous debut. I mean, that was yeah. a great move he made to score. He got a lot of ice time. I saw Alex Darty tweet about this uh, the other day. Um, you know, great. I mean, 
fabulous debut for Parsonen. And and it looks like, you know, he was a seventh round pick a couple of years ago. If he can turn into a player, that could be a really good uh, steal for them. But, you know, how much stock... Michael has been raving about him since the day he got to camp. Um, The whole Preds ecosystem has been raving about him. And Mm -hmm. then for him to deliver like that with that amount of ice time on the top line as a center, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup now. Yeah, but it's just what is it going to take to, you know, extract Philip Tomasino from Milwaukee? I mean, (laughs) it's almost it reminds me. Brittany Griner. (laughs) Well, it kind of reminds me of. This, this, this is going. Oh my! Well, I, this he's is not a, a geopolitical podcast. He's a, he's a hostage. Talking. He's a yeah, hostage in Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, if you ask some Predators fans, yes, he's being held hostage. Yeah, in yeah. So Milwaukee, great town, great town. I'm a, I'm about to be there this week, actually. Right. So it's not like yeah, it's not. He's not in Stockton, California. <laughs> he's you know he's in Milwaukee, which is uh which is a. Well, Stock- well, does Stockton still have a team? Actually, Stockton's team might have moved. Anyway, <laughs> point being, there are worse places to play in the AHL than Milwaukee. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, maybe this is a stretch. It remind- I remember there was a there was a period of time, of course, the, the Kyle Turris saga, when I think it was Victor Arvidsson got hurt. And I remember writing a story that was basically like, Kyle Turris is a healthy scratch every game. Arvidsson is hurt. And what the Predators decide to do with this move will tell you everything you need to know about Kyle Turris. And I think they called up Matthew Olivier. Yeah. yeah. You know, over Kyle Turris. And I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it's not like Tomasino played 15 games in the NHL last season and was mostly a scratch. And he played almost the entire, I think he played 76 games last season. And he was productive for a guy who was mostly playing with. Nick Cousins and Michael McCarron on at even strength. Like, no disrespect to Kiefer Sherwood or Zach Sanford, but they're not as talented as Philip Tomasino. I feel like the Predators are making things more difficult for themselves by not just just give Tomasino a chance. Like, I know that they can you remember a time where a rookie came in that was a heralded rookie with with pedigree Mm -hmm. who scored 30 plus points in his first full season as a rookie and then didn't play a game? the next year in the NHL. I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but like, like I said, if Philip Tomasino was mostly an extra body last season, and when he was in the lineup, he wasn't very productive and they wanted to send him to Milwaukee. Fine. But the fact that he's played almost a full season, he was productive being saddled with limited ice time and not so great line mates. And you know, he was mostly a fourth line guy, third, fourth line guy last year, second power play occasionally, and had the season he did. And now he's in Milwaukee. It doesn't make any sense to me. Sometimes I feel like the the Predators are making, at least in this particular instance, from afar, they're, I feel like they're overthinking this. They, they, they like- are exhausting every possible option. And again, this is just a fact. Like I, you and I can argue about the merits of it. Mm-hmm. And we can debate as fan, like fans can debate whether it's the right move or the wrong move. But the facts are this. They have tried almost every possible body before allowing Tomasino to come up and try it. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like they, they, they've gone Sherwood. They've gone Sanford. They've gone. Uh, now they've gone Parson and Jankowski have been called up that like they, they are doing They're going to try again. It's just a fact they, they've tried five, six, seven guys before giving Philip Tomasino a chance. So to me, that means there's something else there that we're missing. 
I, you know, like, you know, from from what I've gathered from you know reading other people, it's just you know they they've given that we want him to become a more well-rounded player. I get that. Okay. And look, when Ellie told like, look, Ellie told in that was the same spiel. Yeah, how did that turn out? You know, he's in, he is a more well-rounded is, player, but is. the the problem is is that he's not the the offensive dynamo that we anticipated right. him being. Sometimes there are going to be players in your lineup who are. I always, this is the thing I always say. Some players are going to be one dimensional, but some of them are really freaking good at that one dimension. Yeah. Like if, if they're, if, if you have a player who is deficient, def, defensively deficient, excuse me, if you have a player who's defensively deficient, but a, a great offensive player, then just put him in offensive situations. Like right. don't overthink it. You don't have to put him on the penalty kill, you don't have to give him defensive zone draws. Just don't overthink it. Yeah. It's just, I, I think they're, they're, what's the saying? Cutting their, off their nose to spite their face. Is yeah. that, I feel like that's kind that's of what's a, happening. That's a phrase. Do, with, do you with, have, do you have something positive? Is there some metric, some number, something? I mean, the star power on this team has, has started to come to life the last couple of weeks. They've won a couple of games, but they're still like, again, if you look at who they've beaten, They've 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 beaten largely only teams that are behind them in the standings or have worse records than them. San Jose and St. Louis and Vancouver and even the Vancouver game wasn't all that great. Like there's not a lot of positivity around this team right now. They're changing up the lines like crazy. The defense isn't isn't as good. The goaltending's not saving their bacon. What give me something. Give me give the fans something that says, "All right, look for this. It could it there are some positive signs here." Because of X, Y, or Z. Do you have anything for the good people out there, Adam? Well, one thing I was curious about the other day, and I was just looking at this myself, just looking at this during some some downtime, was I was curious about Roman Yossi. Because Roman Yossi hasn't been anywhere near as productive. Again, we didn't expect him to be a 96-point defenseman. But for the most part, he's been pretty quiet on the on the uh, on offensively. And now some of that has to do with the power play. Because he had a ton of points on the power play last year. The power play sucks now, so he's not getting as many points that way. But I was looking at the numbers in terms of driving possession, generating offense, scoring chances, all those things. And they're pretty much the same. Like, I don't feel like Roman Yossi's play has gone off a cliff. I feel like he is maybe a bit snake bitten. I, I feel like Roman Yossi could be uh, in line for a, you know, for a breakout here. Um, okay. Based on what I'm seeing, Be- beautiful assist to Jankowski. Yeah, uh, see, ended, up, like, ended up as the game know, winner. There's right? not anything he's doing. If I remember correctly, there isn't much he's doing like that much worse than he did last year. I think that, like I said, I think the fact that the power play is struggling has really eaten into his production. But I feel like in terms of the things that we know Roman Yossi does really well, I feel like he's still doing them. So I, I think that in time that will work itself out. Again, not 96 point Roman Yossi. But I still I think he'll be back to himself, you know, here soon. What about the rest of the stars? You had Duchesne and Forsberg trying to replicate 40 goal seasons. Uh, these guys are on the ice for a lot of goals from the other team. Now they're starting to come to life. Johansson has been solid. Niederreiter, you know, as bad as McDonough's been, Niederreiter has done his job, which is to stand in the dirty areas and score goals, which is what he's done. Right. Um, so I don't know if what, like, OK, Roman Yossi will be back to being Roman Yossi. OK, that's nice. What else you got? <laughs> I think Matt Duchesne is due as well. Um, I think his numbers have been. I think his numbers ha- have been um, pretty uh, pretty low. 
um, in terms of what he should be doing versus what he is doing. Um, we talked about before the season uh, when I was on last time about, you know, I, I felt like Duchesne had a better chance of being, you know, the 40 goal player again than Forsberg, just because I thought that, uh, you know, he did a lot of things. Uh, he did a lot of things well. Uh, yeah. Duch- you know, Duchesne has been, you know, one of the, you know, most snake bitten players in the league, I think. Um, you know, so I, I think, I think Duchesne is due similar to Forsberg. I think Duchesne here could, you know, score a, a goals and bunches coming up, but okay. you know, every, you know, Forsberg, you know, even just normally is having a good seat, you know, it's kind of gone under the radar because the team isn't playing well, but he's a point per game or more than a point per game player, I think. Um, you know, so he's, you know, anyone who thought that he was just coasting through, you know, he was leveling up it during a contract year and then he was going to yeah. be fat and happy. I don't think you're seeing that. Um, so the two players, the two star players I look to, to bounce back from rough starts are, are Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne. I think okay. once they get going, all hockey players who are snake bin will say, I just need one to go in. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and once yeah. one goes in, I think uh, many more will follow. So I don't think there's any sort of earth shattering stuff today. Soros has not been as elite. The defense has not improved as we expected, at least through the first month. All stuff we can kind of see with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. We expect the star power with elite track record of production to bounce back. The power play regressed as predicted because of the quality of, of scoring chances and where those goals were coming from last year. Um, and unfortunately, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me from this conversation is that there's not a lot of statistical expectation for this team to progress to to any level of play. That that is that that's the con- the biggest and most concerning part of this conversation is that that there's no there they are what they are, mm-hmm. and right now they're they're not scoring a ton. The power play is not good. They're taking too many penalties. Uh, the lines aren't consistent. The goaltending's not good. The defense is bad. Like I'm not sure what else on a hockey rink you can <laughs> you can mention. I mean, as you said. You know, to quote Dennis Green, who's dead? There you go. <laughs> um, I, they are who we thought they were. They're, they really, like, where they are, like, when I look at their record right now, like, to me, this is what they should be based on the way that they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not underachieving. They're, not, they're, they're, I always, like I say, they're not overwhelming. They're not underwhelming. They're whelming. Yeah, like, I, this is, this is what they're, this is what they are right now. And I expect UC Soros, again, to bounce, to, to play better. I mean, he's not this bad, quote unquote. But, you know, it's going to take him being the UC Soros of the past couple of years in a hurry. You know, the good news is, is that the league in general, I feel like, is down. Like there are, there are, you know, there are some juggernauts, the Devils, the Golden Knights, the Bruins, you know, who are running away with, you know, their respective divisions. I mean, I think the Bruins are, you know, the Devils are 12 and three as we record this. The Bruins are 14 and two. You know, that's, the, that's not sustainable. No, the good news is for the Predators, if you look at the wild card standings as of Monday morning, and it's, it's you know, we, we often look at Thanksgiving as the, you know, you know, if you're not in a playoff position or close to it, you're kind of screwed. I mean, the Predators are three points back of the second wild card spot, which is currently inhabited by Minnesota. So there you kind of need to win that game on Tuesday. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and if you're listening to this afterward, which you are, <laughs> you tell me what ended up happening. You tell us what happened. Um, all right, man. Uh, check them out. Uh, sportsnet.ca at Adam. Can, can I make one? Can I make yeah. one? I got to do one thing. Yeah, hurry up. Talked about this. I, yeah. We've got some time. No, I got like two minutes here, dude. Let's go. Okay. Anyway, 
<laughs> I see all the tweets. I still look at Predator's Twitter. I don't know why, but I still do. Yeah, that's a you. All the tweets though. about firing people. Here's all I ask: If you're a Predators fan and you want to fire someone, and the tweet and send it in a tweet, spell their friggin' last <laughs> name correctly. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. You don't. You don't get to. You don't get to have a say on someone's professional liability. If you can't spell if, their own, if you can't if, spell yeah. their last name. As, I'm sorry. As, as so, as, as someone who uh, took callers on the radio live all the time, where they'd call up and they'd say, "Hey, Brandon, love the show, man," and I would say, "Do you? Do you really?" Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that, Bra- Brandon? Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. But that's what I'm saying is, if you want to fire someone. Yeah, get it right. No, spell their last name right. At least do them the courtesy of spelling their last name right before you you ask them to lose their job. Have the, have the common decency to use a highbrow, highly evolved application like Twitter correctly. Okay. I mean, by the time people listen to this, Twitter might not exist anymore, so it might <laughs> not. not matter. But we'll see. see we'll see. All right, you can follow Adam on Mastodon and Truth Social at Adam Vingan. You can. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on that. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you for for hanging out with us and telling us all that the (laughs) the awfulness that we see is exactly as awful as we think it is. So thanks for that. We do appreciate it. All right, man. We'll talk to you again here in a couple weeks. Always a ray of sunshine over here. Yes, we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Everybody check out his work. Uh, Of course, go to Jasper's. Go to Weiss Liquor. Support local business. We do appreciate all of that. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.